That little sleepy image of Preston there at the end still exists, just so you know. Uh, jet lag is easy kind of for the adults to get through, but boy, the kids are still not sleeping. So if I say weird things, uh, it's just the two hours of sleep that we've been getting a night to try to get those kids to go to bed. It doesn't work. So anyway, all is good. We are glad to be back where you don't sweat um, 24 hours a day, and where there's a, a, a lot less mosquitoes and lizards and spiders and stuff. And, and we actually had a, an incredible time there, and I'll share a little bit about that in a second. Thanks for uh, indulging me to show you eight minutes of photos. Uh, when I first dropped all the photos in the slideshow, it was 25 minutes, and I kind of sped it up. That's why you might feel motion sickness right now. But uh, I was just like, oh man, how many can I cut? So I cut like half of them and I still, I'm like, yeah, how do I tell the story? It's impossible. 30 days and eight minutes, it's not going to happen. But I'm going to try in the next 10 minutes to share the rest as much as possible. So, um, so don't worry, that's just our nursery torturing the children back there. I'm just kidding. It's all good. It's all good. Totally good. Dana just was watching the slideshow with a, a child in hand. It's one of yours. Whose is that? Dave, is that yours? He's got some pipes. He's going to be a singer. That's pretty cool. Hey, uh, words are important, and today I want to share a, a talk before we... I know you just came for the scones this morning. Afterwards, we have like fair scones, so uh, you're going to love that. And, and, but if we would have given them to you now, you would just all be really thirsty. And so we're going to wait till afterwards. Um, uh, words are important, and I want to talk a little bit about the word visibility today and actually increase our visibility, if you will. I love definitions. And if you look up the definitions of visibility, it's like the relative ability to be seen, the visual range, or here's the clincher for me, the ability to give a relatively large range of unobstructed vision. I, I hope today to give a relatively large range of unobstructed vision for us to be able to kind of grab a hold of today. And, and to do that, I want to set it up with Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 7 and 11 through 16. It, it reads like this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. It's not all. Verse 7. Uh, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. If you continue in verse 11, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll in all things grow up into Him who's the head, that is, Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Man, I am uh, more than excited to be back from Indonesia. We were actually in many areas in Indonesia. We were in uh, Surabaya, Bali. That was rough right there, Bali going. To, anyway, it's, it's, it's like that's on a lot of people's bucket list, right? Bali, and I have no idea why after being there. I'm just saying it's nice, but it's still like full-on, packed, crazy, driving, insane Indonesia. So, uh, and then you have uh, uh, Palangkaria. I don't speak the language. It's like I can't say these names. And then Tambang Lahong, Kalimantan, these jungle places, right? And uh, it's powerful 
what is possible when the whole body, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It was cool to be like a part of the work this church in Sarabaya, ICA, is doing because of relationship with the tailors. And to see the unique gift that open life has within the whole body, like the church. We have this very special gift that really isn't even like clear or visible until you share it with others and then it's like a revelation to them and you're going, but we're living in like this this culture of open life. It's just really familiar to us to serve our city and but when you go into the most densely populated island in the world, Java, where Sarabaya is at, and you just see this church that's trying to reach six million people in their city, a little different than the, you know, five-mile radius of 90,000 that we have here, right? And you're going, that what we're doing can translate into them serving their city and being a present in their community, and how could this bless them? And spending 30 days there gave us insight to how we can help them. And really, I was just sitting there thinking about Acts 1-8 the whole time that says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And realizing, I'm pretty sure some of the areas of Indonesia there yeah, that's the ends of the earth. Like where we landed in, in Tumbang Lahong, Kalimantan, that is like God was doing everything to keep us from getting there. It's the end of the earth so far, right? Like flooding and roads are washed out and missing. And uh, so it, it's pretty intense. And we've been given, as Ephesians puts it, a special grace. And open life, I just got to... I... I I felt like I take it for granted during the course of the 30 days being there, you know, what we're able to accomplish in our community. And uh, so it was so cool to be able to help like a larger church of over a thousand people and two campuses on two sides of a city kind of capture what it might look like to do church less complicated. And... uh, it was like a fog clearing in their perspective, and, and they could see more clearly. And I'm hoping that we can do the same today. But I, I want to reflect on some of the things we did. You saw images in the slides, and I'll throw them at you again while I'm walking through it. But uh, we had the chance to lead, train, coach, teach, both myself and Dana. It was kind of funny because Dana's not like the speaker lady all the time, right? But they were full on immediately like, oh, can you speak 45 minutes here? And we want an hour and a half here. And then she was like, huh? She didn't prep any like stuff to go, right? So we're immediately studying and and uh, I led st- their staff and did one-on-ones with their team and did some personality assessments and behavior training. And it was pretty interesting to help navigate the issues they're having and uh, was able to meet with uh, youth kids from the red light district and just pour faith and leadership into them. Uh, that Those kids did not, they're not in a place where they learn English. The church is an English-speaking church primarily, but in the poorer areas of the city, they don't have English taught in their schools. So that was really the only translated environment besides the jungle uh, that I was in. And uh, so but that was just fun pouring into them. Uh, Dana led and kicked off their ladies' Bible studies for hundreds of ladies. Um, She taught in local schools. She led the pastor's wives and had lunches with them and stuff. It was pretty cool to see. And uh, even got to do a groups training. I was kind of chuckling because we have such a thriving groups ministry, right? that was sarcastic. But, they, uh, but it was interesting because we do have a different philosophy here where uh, they were trying to, like, create groups for their core people. We've really got this philosophy of wanting to have groups reach to the very edges of our culture and community, and so we're open to doing all kinds of things compared to what they were doing, and it really expanded their kind of vision for the potential of groups to make an impact in their city 
And so that was really fun to be able to, to meet with them and then did some youth development leadership training and, and had a blast doing it. I preached three times every Sunday and did it. Uh, they have an East Campus and a West Campus. So I was every, every other week I was at a different campus and it so happened awkwardly that Dana was at the opposite campus because of the things she was teaching. So we were kind of like broken up. She sat through my service like twice like all three services, and that was more than she's like ever heard me teach in a year. So she was, it was pretty funny, and I was intimidated because I couldn't tell funny stories with her sitting staring at me. But they, because uh, otherwise I make tangents happen. Uh, I had two people during altar times when we were praying with them come up to me and share that they had come to America. A lot of people go to college, and they come to the States to go to college, two of which came to the Seattle area and uh, for years, like one gal for eight years, came to Seattle and was here eight years and never met a Christian. Was never invited to church. Went back to Indonesia and was invited to ICA this Christian-speaking church with a pastor from Washington. <laughs> and she was laughing like, I was in Washington. There's no Christians there. So, uh, but kind of sad, right? Kind of sad that like somebody could come here and eight years never meet a Christian. That was not the only person that I met with that same story, uh, which just gave me a new, like, zeal for the invitation, which we'll talk about in a couple seconds. Uh, hung out and visited some orphanages, which is just incredibly sad. Uh, while I was in Kalimantan, Dana and the kids went to one. They held a two-day-old baby in an orphanage, um, and uh, that, the environments are just shocking where those exist. Uh, it's speaking of shocking, there's a ministry they do at ICA called KK Ministry, which is a, it's this ministry to children and youth, and it's actually a church that meets in a graveyard in the middle of the city. And the reason being, to get, uh, to have a church service there, it has to be approved by like the community it's in, and it, it's in the red light district, and uh, which is one of the largest red light districts. They say it's the largest in the world. I have no idea, but it's definitely one of the largest in the world. And we were right there smack dab in the middle of it in this graveyard, and they're not allowed. The community hasn't approved them to meet, even though they own a building. They can't meet. But there's this Christian graveyard right in the center of the red light district, and so the graveyard will allow them to, like, meet on this plot under tarps. And so they meet in the middle of, on these empty plots that some Dutch person owns and said, you can meet there on my grave plots. It's crazy to see life coming right amongst the dead. Kind of crazy. Uh, people were being buried, and there was like weird rituals happening around us as we're teaching like the Sunday school, basically. And uh, uh, my girls just loved that because they were able to teach like English to these kids, and that's like the only English they get. They try to raise these kids up all the way through high school and send them to college, and they have some incredible success stories through that. They have this bridge ministry as well. I wasn't able to go on this, but Dana and the kids did. Uh, they, where you can only access this community. There's a bunch of people who live under the bridge and by this bridge, and you can only access the community by way of like pulley across these boats, um, basically across the sewer. If there's a body of water, it's sewer. It's not like water, you know, but they do drink it, and it uh, uh, goes right back to our heart for charity water, right? There's plenty of need for clean drinking water in, in Indonesia. Um, so, uh, that, that was pretty intense to see just the extreme poverty in that area through uh, photo. And then I was able to go to Central Borneo or Kalimantan is what it's called, the Indonesian portion of Borneo. And uh, um, we were like as close as you could get to villages that can only be accessed by plane. And it was the flood season, uh, so there was, the roads were washed out, and you'd just full-on drive through the river. 
It was the weirdest. I'm like, oh, yeah. And in America, we close roads right about now when the water's up mid-door. You're going, this is why they told me to wrap all my stuff in plastic in my suitcase. That, and it just gets wet by being present because it's 100% humidity. So you're right on the equator, like negative one from the equator. You're like as close as on the equator as you could come. So it was just constantly, incredibly hot. Uh, Christianity there is not necessarily like I'm all in with Jesus. It's more like I'm going to add Jesus to these cultic, animistic, idolatry practices I have, and uh, I'm going to follow Jesus too. So where in Indonesia, you have to declare your religion. In this community, it's actually on your ID. So where in Washington, over 25% of people say none, you can't do that in Indonesia. You have to declare something. And so in this village that we were in, 75% of them declare Christianity. But yet, when they bury their dead, if, if they don't belong to a Christian church, they cut off their head, carve a wooden image in their reflection, and put their bones in a box and their head at the stake of this pole. And they offer it to this king. It's a religious practice that's older than Hinduism. It doesn't even have a name. But the first day, right before we got there, there was this apparition of like the king glowing green that flew over the construction crew, and they saw it, tried to intimidate them to leave, just totally demonic stuff and spiritual stuff that through prayer they kind of got through and uh, was not uncommon to the village. So it was pretty intense potential ministry there. Uh, It was definitely the most off-grid I've ever been in my life. Um, You know, the well water was below water we were making, if you get my drift, like with our bodies. Anyway, so it was just not that clean. I did walk across the floor after using the squatty potty with probably not the cleanest feet and watched them right behind me prepare my food on the same floor. And you're just going, oh, Lord. So you don't pray for your food there. You intercede for it the whole time. And so I just didn't. I was ignorant. I went in and I was just like, Lord, I'm going to pray for everything. I'm going to eat everything. It doesn't matter what. And I'm just going to trust you that you're going to protect me. I did take malaria pills because you get eaten alive by mosquitoes there. But I was like, I was like I'm, uh, I'm just going to trust you that I'm not going to get like foodborne illnesses. And then all the locals that came on the trip, it's food time, and they're pulling out oatmeal packets. I'm like, uh-oh, right? I did not make a good decision. And, uh, but uh, the food was interesting, and I just served whatever they made. I'm pretty sure one of one like there's, cat and stuff in it. But, you know, you just eat it. And uh, uh, I never got sick. And afterwards, the, <laughs> the head guy of the construction crew is like, I've never seen anybody eat all the food. And you did. And you never got sick. He was just astonished. And I was like, that's because the whole time I prayed, like from before I ate until after I ate, I was just like, Lord, again, this bite. I just offer this bite to you. In Jesus' name, what was that that I just ate? And what kind of bone? I've never seen that bone. It's little, you know. You're just like, Meow. you know, and there's cats running around one day that are missing the next. And you're like, is that fur? But anyway, it was, and there were spiders everywhere, these tarantula things. You're just like, oh, man. That was awesome. But um, uh, in the next two or three months, they're going to finish this church there, and it'll look like... So that's the building we left, but this is a church like three months later. Uh, This is pretty much what it'll look like. They'll finish it up and go ahead and click through these images uh, inside when it's finished. It's actually a pretty decent-sized church when they're done with it. So they lay the foundation in like one day. And then we did the blocks in the next two. And then it was uh, uh, these churches meet and they have hundreds of people worshiping in them. It's pretty crazy. And, and the ICA Sarabaya is helping communities that have like home churches meeting build 100 of these churches and, and uh, open life. Your logo is right in the heart of the concrete of number 29. So way to go. And thank you for allowing me to go. And 
here's what's cool is we have total potential for future, future partnership. And ICA will work with our schedules and everything to help us, like, do a trip there. Besides the flight, everything's really inexpensive there. So I think there's really cool possibility for us not just partnering with them in prayer, but partnering with them in uh, doing some build trips in the future. In fact, this next summer, I'm seriously thinking we should do uh, uh, an island there called Sumba, and it's a really unique island. Just pre- if you Google images, just prepare yourself. You know, it's just different. And uh, but here's one of the things that would be awesome if we did women, like have a bunch of ladies go and do women's ministry, which we also did in this this area. Uh, the the women there need to just know that they're loved by Jesus because in that community, women are still a commodity. Like they're literally traded for cows. And it would just be incredibly moving to go and just help lead that change in a community. So they've already done a youth camp there, and now they're going to go build some buildings there, and probably more than one in Sumba in the summer of 2014. So maybe Open Life could be a part of that. I would, I would love to have us. Probably for under $2,100, you could be a part of that trip. So that said... I have so many more stories and blogs, and and I'm going to be sharing them over the course of the weeks. I just couldn't take the whole time today because I really want to share, like, what was stirring in my heart and has been for a while and and for this visibility talk to kind of open our perspective to our future. And I I have a couple words that I think, a couple things we really need to focus on in the coming year that uh, uh, we'll just kind of unpack here today. And the first is multiplication. I mean, that's what I just experienced there in ICA is their heart to multiply the church. And and these are pastors that already exist in communities, and they're saying, we just believe so much in the church. We're going to help you legitimize yourself in this community and put a building up. And uh, so that's what they're doing to help all of Indonesia, a very unselfish effort by this church in the middle of Surabaya to fund 100 churches around them by 2025 in these small village communities. And uh, it's cool to watch people get behind this vision, but I think God wants us to multiply in multiple aspects as well here at home. Multiplication takes intentional reproducing of our mindset until we all reach unity in the faith and grace we've been gifted as a church within the church. Like we're a church within God's church, right? The world, those who follow Jesus. And I look at the unique gifts we have, the grace, as it says here in Ephesians 4, that we've been given is this grace to partner with our community. A grace to not stand against your city, but like link arms with your community and make things happen where need exists the most. A grace to prosper our city and draw others into our mission before they ever come into our church. I think that's very cool. A grace to actually do what Jesus challenged us to do, and that's go and not just be sitting here. You know, no strings attached, love. And it's fun to watch us do that as a church. And when placing open life alongside other nonprofits or churches, you see some quick contrasts in specifically our culture of being uncomplicated and just defending that because you can get so burnt out doing this thing called church that you're not doing this thing that Jesus challenged us to do, and that's to make him known that he's the son of God, that he gave his life, that he rose from the grave so that we could put our faith in him and have eternal life. And, and we forget that. And we get so busy just doing these things we've defined as church that we forget to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. And I love that we have the ability to keep that focus. And in, in such a way, we've structured ourselves so simple that I could be gone for 30 days. Like you'd, I would tell others that, and they're like, how can you do that? I was like, well, we have a great team. I mean, I, Jaden did an awesome job. You know, these guys ran the church well, James and 
Bruce launched youth ministry while I'm gone. I didn't have to be here and hold Bruce's hand, although you, would you have liked it if I held your hand? Would that have been special? Anyway, so, you know, it's like, no, we just grow. We have an incredible volunteer crew, and, and, and I just kept hearing Jaden say, man, setup and teardown is just going so fast. I'm like, I'm glad I could get out of the way. I no longer have to do setup and tear. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it's just interesting. You're like, wow, this is awesome. And we're not consumed with ourselves or comfortable with just ourselves, but we're, we're understanding our culture of generosity enough that we charge hills that most churches wouldn't even dare go after, see, not knowing whether their church would be behind them or not. But I watched... On Facebook, the school supply give just go flawlessly, minus a little spelling error. But anyway, uh, watching this school supply give go amazingly, and so many people turn out to volunteer at it and bless the school and our community. Wow, 100% of the school supplies. You guys don't even understand. I showed up to Liberty Ridge a year ago with a pile about this big of school supplies. And this year, it was a gym full of school supplies, and uh, just way to go. It, it, it just made my heart like, ah, we can do anything, you right? That's a gift. It's a grace that God has given us. And the trick becomes helping others catch the same favor of God and, and, and increase their faith and their practices of generosity and, and their openness and their ability to go out and partner with the community and not be afraid of the culture, but actually go out into the culture and be the light Jesus challenged us to be and be present with the community and help that vision and culture be caught, not just taught. And so all these things start stirring in my mind, and I'm like, I understand the heart of Paul when he wrote to the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians 3.1 when he said, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may be spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Which leads us into some things I think will help us make our culture that Jaden's been talking about and our values and everything just that much more caught. And... Um, uh, the, the first thing that we just totally have to, to live by, and I saw the evidence of this there uh, in Indonesia that they needed it as well, is an invite culture. So be there in your handout, invite culture. Discipleship begins with an introduction. When we meet someone in community, that's God entrusting us with a new relationship. And we're meeting people all the time. We might not realize we met them unless we're conscious of it, right? Like, Somebody has a name tag on, that's an invitation for an introduction. And God holds us responsible for all these individuals we're meeting every week. We're people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, not just a church, right? And so we make invitations, and they're in your worship guides every Sunday, or they're on the table, and for special events, we make invites as well, and, and we make those available so that as we're doing life, we can share with people about the church. It goes back to, like, the heart of where our church came from, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you became so dear to us. If we develop an invite culture, it's just going to be natural to say or to believe, like if you experience open life, your life will be better. We should just comprehend that and be really quick to say, you know what, you should come to open life this Sunday. I know that all of us aren't as bold as me, right? Uh, I was constantly trying to demonstrate. In Indonesia, I guess it's really bold to invite, but they had these invites, so I preached this series called Mindset and Mindfulness, and my final challenge was for them all to like invite somebody that week, because I was always inviting these really short Indonesian people to church. And uh, they would all take pictures of white people. I don't know what they do with the pictures, but they would always go, oh, good picture. I was like, okay, I'm taking a picture. What are you going to do with this picture? 
Look at this funny white family I met, right? They call you Boulez there, and it's like, look at the Boulez, you know? And so, so we were getting pictures with them, and I'd always say, hey, this is why we're here. I'm talking here at East this week or West this week. Come see us. I'm on the plane inviting people. And then I was able to challenge everyone, you should do this because I've read the books. Even in America, they say it takes 76 touches for someone to finally make their way to church, especially if they've had a negative experience with the church. 76 different touches. That can be you multiple times. It can be all of us teaming up and saying, you should come to Open Life. You should come to Open Life. You should come to Open Life. Hey, you should come to Open Life. And finally, they've got this stack of invites, and they're going, number 76, right? Oh, man, I guess maybe this Sunday I should go to Open Life. Free scones, you know? And they'll go. Like, but, but we have to get to that place where we just have this invite culture and really trust that, okay, God, I'm going to do my part in leading this person into uh, uh, this beginning of a journey with you. I know I sat in church for six months before I ever gave my life to Christ. And the invite came three years before that. So you never know how God will use that invitation. So how can people believe unless they hear? Scripture says. We're always connecting, always serving, and we should always be sharing about the church, about Jesus, some of us don't have that boldness to just full-on share the gospel with somebody. Let us do it for you. Bring them. Here, bring them to your group. Bring them to a barbecue. Bring them to a baptism party. Some environment where we can make Jesus known because we want to make him famous. Here, here's, here's another thing that I think we need. Not just an invite culture, but we need something that I've honestly avoided. Membership. Uh, I'll, I'll talk more about the avoiding in a second, but Activate is this event we did, we, our trial run of it last spring. It was kind of clunky, but we're excited October 20th to do this again from 3 to 5. Uh, we'll do it on October 20th. We'll give you a venue later because I have no idea where we'll do it. Uh, but um, instead of a membership class, I would call it more of a culture class because here's our challenge. How do we reproduce our culture quickly in somebody? Because if, if Jesus wants us to reproduce rapidly, as 2 Thessalonians 3 said, if God wants us to reproduce rapidly, how do we do this reproduce rapidly thing? If culture is caught and our culture is different, when you come from another church into our culture, it's really different. And it takes you a while to say, wait, you do what now, you know, or you don't do what, or, you know, you try to figure these things out. It takes a while. How can we speed up this process so we can multiply in our community more effectively? And uh, we want to provide an opportunity to grow in the knowledge of even what Jaden took time in the last few weeks, the values, the mission, our practices, more unity, more power. Ephesians 4 says more love, more generosity, and uh, to be totally candid with you, I've just avoided this word membership. I actually don't like it. Uh, but I need to get over that, right? It's a personal issue. I love that our team is so honest with one another that they could just look at me and go, why do you have an issue with the word membership? I'm like, I don't know. It just sounds so clubby to me, right? Like, this is a club and you're not part of it, or you are part of it. Okay, you're in the club, right? I hate that. I hated it in high school. I hate it now. But the Bible talks about it, and so I need to get over it and just put on my big boy pants and move forward, right? That's kind of where I look in the mirror and just go, okay, Thad. Jesus loves you, and he tells you to do this thing called membership in, in Scripture. And, and he doesn't word it necessarily like membership, but um, the deal is uh, membership is never intended to be like a you belong and you suck. <laughs> but sometimes that word casts that kind of emotion out to people, or at least I feel like it does. My personal issue, right? What it's meant for is to create even more unity and to figure out who's all in to move this vision forward. And uh, Scripture actually talks about it in Hebrews 10. It says in verse 22, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for 
uh, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Interesting, because you wouldn't necessarily see membership in that passage just by reading it, but what you see is the benefits of being a part of a united body. And over the course of the last three years, we've tried to communicate that through the word leadership, and honestly, it just hasn't caught traction. So we're like, what makes more sense? Well, let's become unafraid. Since we're uncomplicated, let's become unafraid of the word membership. I say we very loosely, right? I'll do my best Blake impersonation from the voice. And, uh, and say, uh, you know, do, do we need to approach this, this conversation of membership and find a way of really allowing people to say, I'm all in. And if membership makes the most sense for a word, then it makes the most sense. When you look at it, there's all kinds of benefits for being a part of the church, and, 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 and that's what we're saying, being united with the vision of the church. There's incredible benefits. Paul tells us in, in, uh, that, that Christians experience greater spiritual growth when they're united. It talks about that in Ephesians 4, which we read at the beginning. God shows His supernatural power for those who meet together, it says in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. On the other side of the coin, God promises to judge those who bring harm to the church, 1 Corinthians three sixteen. If He's defending it, it's pretty important, right, to be a part of. There's a level of personal care and support that can only be realized in the, the relationship that's available in the church, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. And God's power over Satan can only be fully experienced in the context of the church in Ephesians 3.10. So in, in, I began to study this and just realize our relationship to the entire body of Christians is crucial to our personal relationship with God. And we need an environment where we can express what we're uniquely graced with by God and what we would expect for people to be in a growing relationship with Jesus. You can't expect what you don't express, right? So how do we rapidly reproduce unless we have a mechanism to express it? And I believe that mechanism that we're introducing here in October is membership. And it doesn't say somebody doesn't belong. It says the opposite. You belong the moment you're met in the community with open life's culture. This just says there's a group of people who say they're all in, that when big decisions in our future have to be made, they'll have a little bit louder voice, right? But they'll, they'll also know exactly where we're going, and we can communicate that clearly in a very focused environment called Activate. Um, a place where we can share more depth of the mission, practices, and behaviors. A place where we can share, really, our, our heart for groups. A place where we could share, like, this is student life, and, and, and this is how we're going to reach students. Where we could share kids' life, and, and, and how we're empowering kids, and how you could be a part of volunteering in any of these veins. Uh, where we could equip you to share and invite more effectively, and, and even the culture we desire for Sundays. Where we could develop uh, this, this true, like, uncomplicated church that we foresee and where we can make an impact on the 88% of our community that doesn't follow Jesus. Activate is also a great place to encourage and train you on how to use this tool called the city that is a database yet a tool for interaction and dialogue. And now uh, it's still kind of in a beta phase, but there's an app that you can log into your city profile and like have interaction and stuff on an iPhone. Sorry, Android guys, you're, you're still coming. Like most apps, Android's just behind. But anyway, uh, you know, so was that just shameless plug? By the way, it takes a long time to download iOS 7 when you don't have fast internet in Indonesia. So that was a pain. Uh, but it's, it's like, like days, right? So you're just like, wow, this is still downloading. That's awesome. Um, it's not, you know, I, I think the, the next piece we need beyond the invite and the membership is, is this thing called apprenticing. And uh, so we must embrace the practice of apprenticing. Man, I'm way behind. I just looked at the time. Holy moly, this is awesome. Okay, anyway, we're just going to keep going. Uh, for, you know, from a volunteer culture to apprenticing, 
is, is key for us to jump into as a church. And we've kind of been doing it behind the scenes, but never just really brought that out. Like a follow me as I follow Christ kind of practice of reproducing ourselves. And uh, it, it says here in that Ephesians 4 uh, that uh, we should live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And showing somebody how we're following Christ is not a practice just for like vocational pastors. It's, it's a call upon every Christian to say to those, hey, as imperfect as I am, as messed up as my life is, if you reproduce it, you're still supposed to like, I still have something to offer. I need redemption every day. But there's things in my relationship with Jesus that I should be able to share with someone. So follow me as I follow Christ. And some of that's like, hey, I know how to drive a truck on a Sunday morning, so this is how I drive. You have a truck, follow me. Or I know how to set up kids' stuff, or I know how to do sound, or I know how to play drums, or, you know, and, and so you just bring along somebody. Because if we're going to rapidly reproduce, we need two, three, four, five of everything. So the day we do have another gathering, which will happen, we don't have, like, people burning themselves out at both locations. We have, like, teams that can go forward, and I'm excited for that day. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16 speaks about this, uh, urging people to imitate each other. And Philippians 4, 8 through 9 talks about whatever you've learned or received, heard or seen in me, put it into practice. It's how Jesus practiced discipleship. He walked slowly through the crowd and showed his disciples how to minister. He said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, go. They're like, we don't have anything. Exactly, you don't need anything, just go. Like, that's the prep. And uh, I, I can't wait to see open life continue on the path. We've already sent out a planter and Sumner, and his church is doing great, 50 to 60 on a Sunday, people giving their lives to Jesus, being baptized in water. We apprenticed Brent for a year here and sent him out. I would love to do that every year as a church. More on that in a second. We need impartation environments as well. Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. One of the visions we have for launching next fall is what we call a gap year program. Colleges love to see students give a year in between graduating from high school and going to college. And what if we could use that year uh, to help them mature, right, to become more of an adult before they enter the campus? It's kind of backwards, kind of different. You'd think going directly in is more beneficial. But um, there's these gap year programs that are existing in, in the world, a lot of global ones, but there's a lot of families that don't want to send their kids overseas. If they do, uh, there's lots of opportunities. If they want them to be in America, there's not many opportunities, except for like internships where people are like felt called to ministry and they end up learning how to run cameras and pick up garbage in traditional churches. So that's not our desire. We want to bring students into an environment where they learn how to be a better Christian in community. Let's send them out to learn how to be a, a rep at Delano's coffee or a music teacher in an elementary school or a high school or uh, a business banker or a real estate officer or a vocalist in a jazz band or uh, a, a person who works in lunch or mortgage or you know what I'm saying? Just get them out into community to discover how to be a better person in society and see how you can be on mission wherever you are and send them back into their communities around the nation to be incredible missional Christians. How cool would that be? And so we're working on developing that program and, and uh, alongside a missionary friend of ours, Steve Shoup, that does it globally, uh, we're going to launch a program called Next in the fall of 2014. And more details to come. It's going to be very cool. And I can't wait for it. The more our team talks about it, the more excited we get because we believe God has graced us to do such a thing. And it's very unique, and we can't find anybody who's doing it. So we want to do that versus just the traditional internship where somebody feels called to be a pastor and we train them up. Um, not everybody's called to be a pastor. In fact, we love that they're called to be in community and make an impact. And we want to help them do that. Um, we also need to bring in those who will help lead the way. I want you to join with me in prayer on two things. One, a music pastor. Just join with me. 
I know multiple of them that would be perfect, right? But um, what I'm looking for is very different that God put in my spirit like two years ago, and I won't let go of the vision. And it's somebody who wants to make a difference in the music culture, not just lead worship in church. And uh, that we would bring them in bivocationally, the same as all of us, and, uh, and, and really see the difference it could make in our community's lives to bring someone in to just really raise up musicians and, and stuff into our city. Just be praying with me about that. And, and as well, to apprentice musicians here so that we can reproduce and have additional churches and not just the same people always on worship. And then children's pastor. Uh, you know, that's a role that we still, it's all volunteer, but yet there's so much equipping and empowering and potential in our city. I mean, are you kidding with our partnerships with the school and the city of Bonnie Lake? They, you know, wanting us to do the kids tent and stuff. I'm like, this is a children's pastor's dream, but we need to pray in so many levels to uh, have somebody just uniquely called to come into like a bivocational environment to say yes to that. So prayer is the only thing that's going to make these two things happen. I don't think we could have any amount of money. Well, there is probably an amount of money that can convince the people to come. But, you know, it's not, it, it is financial, but even more so, like we've got a very unique calling in both of those veins here, and I think we'll benefit from them. Uh, worship band, if you could come and play while I talk about partnership, do the, the song that you're planning on doing. Um, and uh, partnership number two, so, so, so multiplication and partnership are the two things that we really need to hone in on. If I want to bring clarity and vision to our future, those, those elements of multiplication, the invite, the membership, the apprenticing, the impartation environments, and as well, those who will lead uh, the way, but partnership. We need to continue to broaden our partnerships with both local organizations and global organizations. Locally, we need to just continue to be faithful in Big Give, in, in, in continuing what we start through the school supply give, right? Now we have next year. We know how to do this thing in a year to plan it. Um, Love Week, uh, Exodus Housing, we partner with funding, you know, all of our strategic partners, the Food Bank, uh, the Sumner School District. What can we do in, for the city of Bonnie Lake just to continue to be a benefit to our community and just continue to walk through doors as they open? I love that. We, I love that we can say yes in a moment to something that churches would have to plan a year in advance to accomplish, but God somehow gives us the grace to pull it off with the sacrifice of all of us, right? But it's beautiful that He's given us the ability to do it. And globally, broadening our relationship with Charity Water who, by the way, was emailing me constantly while I was in Indonesia wanting me to scout out the water needs. And I was like, how cool is that? To like, this global organization called Charity Water is like, look at the needs for water when you're out in Kalimantan and when you're in the heart of Surabaya. And then I bump into a guy who hands me his card and what he does is brings, is he's trying to provide clean water systems to these kids underneath the bridge that Dana went to visit. And I can't wait to see those hands come together and merge and how God has uniquely placed us to connect those dots. That's a beautiful story convoy of hope to continue to bring uh, disaster relief, church multiplication network, continue to reproduce churches even beyond open life churches. And then Indonesia, we have this opportunity to partner with the church as they're partnering with churches through a very cool, unique opportunity. I would love to see 10 people or more go a year. That's kind of crazy talk. But you know what? I think God kind of wants us to do it. And I see that it's absolutely possible for us to do. You'll have jet lag. Just trust me. But it's okay. When your eyes see the need of the rest of the world and you see some of the conditions that don't shock you, you're like, wow, it's nicer here than I thought. But then you're going, but in a different way the fourth largest country, the most populous island in the world. 
there's a lot of opportunities for us to make a difference. So you'll see more about Sumba 14. That's a hashtag, Sumba 14, and the opportunities that may be provided for you. So this year we're going to multiply. We're going to continue to put our efforts into reproducing our culture. I would not be shocked if God brings such increase to open life that we multiply sites within the next year. But I'm not going to put that out there and say we're going to absolutely. But I can't go a month without being asked by a community right around us in our region, can you please start open life here? God's going to get tired of hearing that and he's going to raise you guys up to pastor that church. Some of you know it. That's going to be fun when that happens, right? But we need to continually reproduce our teams so that we're ready when God pulls that trigger. I just so much believe in our future. I want to pray for you and really pray for open life. Worship team's going to sing a song and I just want, as I've thrown out a lot of things today, I want God to just allow some of this to simmer in you because he's going to talk to each one of us differently. Maybe one of you today is finally just going to decide, man, you've been invited, but you've, you've even made a decision to follow Jesus, but you've never been baptized. And next Sunday, we have a water baptism party following service. Maybe God told you in the midst of all this talk, you need the next step. Well, the next step for you, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus and never been baptized, go public next Sunday. Maybe your decisions to follow Jesus today or, or your decision today is, man, I, I'm doing this. If, if we're going to Sumba next year, I'm on it. I'm there, whatever it takes. So God, I pray right now for those in this room. You're probably calling interns out of this group, apprentices out of this group. You're calling people to volunteer out of this group. You're calling uh, us to, uh, you're, you're stirring in somebody's heart to, you know, to be a part of the next campus. You're stirring in this room uh, somebody to maybe pastor an additional campus in Indonesia and in Sarabaya for that church. You, you're, you can do so many things in our hearts when we talk vision and future and the visibility before us. You, you can let the fog clear and allow us to see clearly the next year or two or three or five of our life. And I just pray that God, as we continue to allow this vision in our hearts to simmer that you're placing within us, give us clarity. If it's salvation we need today, which we all do need, to invite you to be our Lord and Savior, man, if that's yet to be done in somebody's life here today, this is the day to embrace grace. Maybe it's the call that you have on their life today and and somebody in this room today came and you've been stirring in them. They're supposed to be a part of something more and, and they're going to start volunteering. Or maybe somebody's just senses more than volunteerism in their life and they're going to start apprenticing for a higher lo- role of leadership. And, and, and maybe somebody just said, yes, because I want to reproduce our culture and I want to invite my friends. They needed to hear the challenge of inviting others. I don't know what it is, but God fan it into flame. As this song is sung, I just pray you had awakened vision in each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.